0: Hi, everybody. Welcome back to A Higher Way with Tay. I am Taylor Taylor, and today's episode with Dan is really incredible. I wanted to take a minute, though, to come on and kind of talk for a second about it because this episode is not me giving medical advice. This is me sharing my experience and my story. And obviously, I have a trained medical doctor on the podcast to talk about ketamine and let him kind of give you guys the whole spiel about what it is, how it works how it can help people. Um, But again, I wanted to reiterate, please know that this is not me telling everybody that they should run out and do ketamine. It's certainly not me giving medical advice. Um, I also just wanted to take a minute and give a little background as to why I decided to participate in this protocol. So, you know, I've never really dealt with anxiety, not like the chronic kind of anxiety anyway. I mean, I think we all experience from time to time, the situational kind. So for me, like for example, if my relationships are in conflict or if I'm having conflict with someone I love, that that's a big one for me, where maybe there's a period of some situational anxiety or emotional stress. But in those cases, I feel like I've always sort of had the tools and practices to kind of get myself back to my baseline if that kind of thing happens. But earlier this year, I found myself really struggling to get myself back to that baseline. And, you know, I do all the things. I have a consistent yoga practice. I really prioritize sleep. I meditate. I pray daily. I talk openly about my feelings with trusted friends, which, thank God, I'm fortunate to have a lot of. I journal. You know, I feel like I have pretty good self-awareness when challenging stuff comes up for me. And yet I just found myself in this place where the anxiety really started taking a toll on me. And none of the stuff I normally do, like the yoga, the self-care was helping. I was having a hard time sleeping, concentrating at work. You know, I just felt my health and also my emotional health kind of struggling to keep up. And again, this is not normal for me. And I recognize that. And I knew it was probably necessary to do something different so I could move past and through This place that I was feeling stuck in. So in mid-February, I committed to a medical protocol of supervised ketamine infusions under the trusted care of my dear friend and medical doctor, Dr. Dan Ripley, who you will meet on today's episode. Dr. Ripley is a board-certified family medicine doctor who holds credentials and certifications through the Ketamine Research Institute. He is a member of the prestigious American Society of Ketamine Providers. And today, we are going to talk all about what ketamine is, what it treats, who it helps, and why it's on the forefront of groundbreaking change in how we treat mental health and chronic pain. Also, we are dropping some super exciting news that I have been keeping secret for months and months. So without further ado, here's episode nine of A Higher Way with Tay. Dr. Dan Ripley, welcome to A Higher Way with Tay.
1: Thanks Tay, I'm so excited to be here. I love your podcast. I can't wait for each new episode and I can't believe I'm actually gonna be on it now.
0: I am so stoked for this one. I think that this one is gonna be like the episode of the season. I have been so excited to record this and I feel like I don't even know where to begin on you know starting to tell the story that we're gonna be sharing today. But I feel like some could say it began two and a half years ago when we first met. But I think you and I will both agree that this is really a story that was put into motion much earlier than that. And this is a story that's like about the journey of a lifetime and where your story and my story weaved two separate paths in the world until one day those paths intersected and then the seed of what was to come was planted. And we didn't know like two and a half years ago that we would be where we are today on the precipice of something really special and incredible. But even more than that, I feel like this story is about following your heart and it's about following your dharma. And it's about the relentless pursuit of your soul's purpose. And a special friend of ours once told us, when you find your soul's purpose, you have to run towards it with absolutely everything you have within you without exception. And today, this, my friend, I think is a story of just that. So I'm so glad you're here and we have a lot to go over, but first things first, we got to talk your astrology. (laughs) So
1: you know, I knew I was an Aquarius and that was the extent of my astrologic knowledge until uh, somebody bought me a reading with Dolly, who's been on your podcast before.
0: Yep. Dolly, the Charleston astrologer, our girl.
1: And blew my mind. Yep. <laughs> I wasn't skeptical. I just didn't. I was just clueless about it. And um, yeah, it was amazing.
0: Well, she is incredible for sure, as we all know, but like also your natal chart is a wild ride. It is so, even Dolly told me when we recorded for the podcast, she was like, man, Dr. Dan's natal chart is like nothing I've ever seen. So I want to talk a little bit about it. Obviously, like you said, yes, you're an Aquarius sun, which as I've said many times on the show before, Aquarius, that's my people, Um, mostly because of all the Libra I have and 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 also my Aquarius moon. But Truly like Aquarius, I love you guys. You're just so easy for me to get along with Scorpio moon, just like my son, Thomas, and you are a Pisces rising. Um, But what's really interesting is you have a Virgo stellium, meaning you have five planets in Virgo, which to me is like, that's such, that's all your grounding energy. You know, that's like your bedside manner. It's calm. It's, you know, um, it's, also the cool thing about Virgos is like, they're funny, they don't take themselves so seriously, like they, they often have like a really wicked sense of humor. But you having all that grounding Virgo energy makes so much sense to me, just given like how I know you as a doctor. And three of those Virgo planets, um, you know, are in the sixth house, um, including Pluto, which Pluto in the sixth house is Actually, seen quite often, like in the field of being a physician. I don't know if Dolly talked to you much about that, but yeah. So, um, you know, sixth house being like the house of wellness and health. So I felt like that made a lot of sense. But um, you also have this is what's crazy. And I mean, I've only just been studying astrology like the last few years and not even obviously on a professional level, but I've never seen before that six planets in your chart including your rising sign, are at what's called the Antarctic degree of 29 degrees. So that's like the peak of the energy of that sign. And it's completing cycles in this life. But you have six of them. So I think, you know, Dolly had even told you, like, dude, this may be like your last lifetime.
1: <laughs> yeah, that freaked me out a little bit. But I was well, like, oh. I mean <laughs> I better make the most of it, right? You
0: said that. That's what you said to me at the time. You were like, well, you know what? I'm going out with a bang then. But I think really what it means is like, you've had so many lifetimes of getting to the point that you are in this current lifetime that like, it's epic. I mean, there's epic work for you to do here. And, you know, so many of those planets at 29 degrees is like, that's that's a big deal. So again, kind of completing cycles like in this current lifetime. Um, And your north and south node, so you have a south node in Libra and a north node in Aries. So again, like kind of growing into the attributes of Aries in this lifetime. And Aries is so driven by the heart and so motivated and passionate and not afraid to stand alone either. Whereas like your Libra south node, you know, it's like, can be is like the peacemaker and is really focused on kind of like bringing everyone together and making sure everybody's happy. And 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 Aries is really like so confident and comfortable to stand alone and stand up for what they believe in. And I think that's pretty awesome.
1: It's also scary accurate.
0: (laughs) Well, yeah. I mean, anytime someone's moving into like a strong fire sign like that, like I've talked about Billy's before moving into Leo, you know, it is definitely, you know, we have this, we have our whole lives to embrace it. We have our whole lives to really get there and fully like embody those things. But yeah, I mean... Aries is all about like the pioneer and blazing new trails and and if if they have to do that alone for a while they don't care they're comfortable you know so um, leaving behind some of those like Libra tendencies of wanting everybody to like them and make sure that everything's okay and listen I'm a double Libra so I get it I've got a lot of planets in Libra like I understand that energy but but the beauty of Aries and 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 that being your North Node I think ties into a lot too about what we're going to be talking about today.
1: It's so, so, it's so crazy that where the planets were at the moment you were born and the location you were born can seemingly dictate so much of what happens in your life. It just blew me away. Like when we had our, she read my natal chart and when she started naming off dates, like she knew when I got married and she knew when I, you know, had yeah. a career to, you know, so it was just, um, it was fascinating really fast yeah if, you're, if you're new to astrology or don't know anything about it go get an appointment with dolly and just she'll blow your mind
0: she said she welcomes skeptics too it's like you know what i mean she'll make a believer out of anyone and, and again i mean billy had that experience when he had his done too by dolly because she was talking about his saturn cycles and you would go back like every seven years and see like oh my god this happened then and then that and it all lines up And of course, I'm over here being like, yes, I told you, this is what I've been saying. It's a real thing. So I love that, like all of our friends are getting their charts done by Dolly now so we can all talk about our astrology and understand each other's. And it's just so awesome. So so on that note, okay. so the last couple of years, Dan, so let's start with how you and I met each other, because this is kind of a funny story, too. Um, we met sort of like in another country kind of, um, but the, the story with that is I, in 2020 was in Costa Rica. I went to uh, a retreat at Rhythmia and while I was there, I met a guy who was there for my week, who was from another part of South Carolina, like in the upstate somewhere. And I finished my week. I came home and that guy went on to another place in Costa Rica where he was doing like a different kind of retreat. And while he was there you guys were roommates and he said to you oh you're from charleston that's so crazy there was a girl at rhythmia when i was there who was from charleston too and you're a doctor she's a nurse like i'll have to connect you guys so it was like late 2020 that you reached out to me and were like hey we have this mutual friend blah blah, blah. and the craziest thing was at the time you were living half the time in charleston on james island and your condo was in the complex I live. So like if I look out my like patio window, I can see the part of the building that you were living in at the time. But we met like sort of technically in Costa Rica, but it was just so crazy. And you were literally like in my backyard.
1: (laughs) I know, I can't, you know, it's crazy and not crazy, right? Everything happens. Right. I mean, it's <laughs> yes, crazy, but
0: not crazy when I you think, think about how stuff like this works.
1: Yeah, I think our energies were, were drawn to each other long before we met. So Well,
0: that's without a doubt what happened. And so this, as soon as we connected, it was like, I think, so we met in December 2020. And then I believe it was around April that I started working for you part-time over at the med spot in Mount pleasant. And we had all these mutual friends and you know, I've been working for you for like the last couple of years. And during that time, we had many, many conversations about like both of us on our spiritual path. And then also just like kind of this concept of like the soul's purpose, you know, mm. and really wanting, I mean, I for sure know for me, the last couple of years, I was so honed in on like, now that I live this different way, I have this different spiritual path. I want my career to be in line with that, and I think I talked about that a little bit on the episode with Jared from Heroic Hearts because it was like, you know, you can have these experiences, and then and then you come out and you're like, how do I align my livelihood and how I make an income with these new values that I have? Um, and as a nurse, it was like, God, it's. it's just did not align for me, like in the idea of being in the hospital or, you know, any type of traditional nursing. And so we have talked about that a lot. And you were simultaneously as as well, kind of like going through your own process of of where you saw the rest of your life going. So can you talk a little bit about like what's come up in the last couple of years as to, you know, some of the changes in your profession and and what we're coming into now?
1: Yeah. It's been a crazy ride, Uh, Mm -hmm. but but a beautiful one as well. I think when you find something that you're passionate about, that you're also good at, and that serves other people, and when you can do that for a living, that's when life becomes just magical. Yeah, I think we're both kind of heading into that um, direction. Um, Yes. But yeah, and I think
0: that's the whole concept of dharma which I've talked about before too. Like you do have a soul's purpose. You have something that is a gift to the world that is unique to you and that gift can also earn you money and you know pay your bills, but it is something that doesn't feel like work at the same time.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's I know and I know everybody struggles to find that, you know, and it can sometimes be very difficult especially in the world that we live in, but um I'm so glad. I feel like I've really found that. Uh, It took me 55 years, but (laughs) but I'm so excited for for what's to come. So, you know, I started off, um, I wanted to be a marine biologist. I want to be Jacques Cousteau.
0: Well, you wanted to be an anesthesiologist first, before that.
1: (laughs) Right. That's true. When I was like four or five, people asked me what I wanted to do. I said an anesthesiologist. I didn't even know what that was, but it sounded pretty cool. yeah. Uh, but then later i wanted to be a marine biologist or a chef i had like all these crazy things i wanted to do and my brother my oldest brother rick is um a beautiful human being but very practical he was like you know you like science and you know you can make a really decent living being a doctor and you can help other people if you thought about that you know there's only one Jacques Cousteau. you'll never be him so <laughs> so mm-hmm. so that's kind of what got me interested in, in um, medical school i've always been interested in science but um so I went to MUSC here in Charleston for my medical school and then did a family medicine residency. And then the Navy had put me through med school, so I owed some time in the Navy. Um, and I loved loved my time serving the country and <clears throat> actually went to Iraq in 2003 for the war and mm-hmm. um, was with the Marine Air Wing then. And then when I got back, I got into private practice. And I, was, I built a very busy family medicine practice. It was too busy. Um, it was a high volume practice. I had 5,000 patients. Um, and I was, you
0: you had 5,000 patients at one point
1: I had 5,000 active charts. Yes.
0: Oh my God. (laughs)
1: It was me and my PA. And, you know, when you have that kind of a practice, you you can't possibly know your patients very well. You can't, you know, you connect with a few of them and, but you also don't get much time with them. You know, your appointment Mm -hmm. for five or 10 minutes, you know, actually getting to communicate and con- connect with your patients, um, maybe a couple times a year, you know, so I, it really, that was, that really didn't feel good. Um, and that's not why I went into medicine. I, you know, I, I wanted the connection with my patients. So I went into family medicine and, um, and so my other brother, Scott was, um, getting his flight physical and he went to a doctor in Charlotte and he said, this doctor was so laid back and he had all the time in the world to talk to me and he got to know me. And he was was like, what? Because he knew what I was going through. And he was like, what "What are you doing? And the doctor said, I'm with MDVIP, which is a concierge medical practice. And so he said, you need to check this out. So I was so in the wheeze, I didn't know, you know, I didn't have time to do it. But a week later, the MDVIP recruiter out of the blue called me and um, recruited me to come to MDVIP. So it's a concierge medicine, went from 5,000 charge down to 400. Um, we focused a lot on prevention and wellness and um, you know healing the body through um, lifestyle and proper nutrition and that kind of thing and I had a lot of time with my patients um, And so I did that for the last 10 years um, and it was very fulfilling but I got to the point where I kind of felt like I was spinning my wheels a little bit you know because mm-hmm preaching all of this and actually living that way, you know, eating a plant-based diet and exercising. And, um, I myself got a lot healthier, but I I wasn't having a whole lot of luck convincing my patients to, to fully commit to doing that. And, um, and so I, I felt kind of like I was spinning my wheels a little bit. And of course being on the front lines of, you know, a worldwide pandemic and COVID, you know, Mm -hmm. really stressful. And, um, so I was getting a little bit, burnout on traditional medicine. And I didn't know what I was going to do really. Um, and then tragedy struck our family. And my brother Scott um, developed head and neck cancer and um, which was kind of devastating um, because it can be a deadly you know cancer. It can be fatal. Mm-hmm. And so I immediately went into you know fix it mode and I got him an appointment with the head oncologist at Sloan Kettering. And um, the best ENT guy in the in the world for treating head and neck cancer, and they he said, "Yeah, we can. You know, we probably can. You know, help you with this, and it's going to take high dose radiation and chemotherapy." And we
0: wasn't he stage four at time of diagnosis.
1: He was um, stage three, so he had regional lymph nodes. Okay, base of his tongue. So he was it was pretty pretty advanced. Um, but they, they thought that they could, you know, had a pretty good chance of surviving it um, if, he, if he underwent this treatment. So they were like, we got to get started right away. So they scheduled him an appointment the next day and he shows up it was a gastroenterologist doctor. And he was like, well, I don't really know why I'm going here, but um, he showed up for his appointment and they gave him a consent form for a feeding tube. And he said, what, you know, what, what is going on? And they were like, yeah, we need to put a feeding tube in because, you know, the radiation, you know, you may not be able to eat again, or you may not be able to speak again. And he was like,
0: Oh my god. He was
1: like time out. <laughs> uh, took off his gown, put his clothes back on, walked out and said this is not the path for me. Yep. So he began researching alternative um treatments and he really believed that there was an emotional connection to his cancer and if he could figure out what that was, he could you know have remission of his cancer. And at the yeah. time I was like, "Oh man." <laughs> Knowing what I know and you know about western medicine and you know, I'm like that was foreign to me, you know,
0: the idea of like the mind body connection with disease.
1: Well, I mean, I knew that, but, but to actually be able to, you know, manifest that in a way where he would,
0: would, you
1: know, cure his cancer by finding an emotional connection, you know, it was just foreign to me really, but I wanted to support him any way I could. And so, um, he went down to a place you're very familiar with in in Rhythmia. Yep. And, um, And the first person he ran into was a woman named Candice, um, and his daughter's name is Candice. Um, and she had cured herself of thyroid cancer from doing plant medicine and, um, kind of a radical diet, um, of fruits and different things. But, so it was kind of like he's, he knew immediately that he was in the right place, you know? Yeah. And so, um, through a series of plant medicine journeys he found what the source was and his tumors started shrinking and his regular oncologist was like had no idea what was going on he's like you, you know you're having a spontaneous remission we don't really know why and he was like oh, <laughs> there's nothing spontaneous about it you know was but like
0: i think i know why
1: <laughs> yeah so they um anyways um he um, you know super glad to say that he is cancer free now for the last two years. And, um, but at the same time he was getting well, my older brother, Rick, uh, was diagnosed with a glioblastoma, which as you know, is universally fatal. You can buy time, but you can't really survive that cancer. And he had no interest in plant medicine at all. Um, and so he had, he had a, a surgery and he had radiation and chemotherapy and nothing slowed his, his brain cancer down. And he passed away at um, mm-hmm. age of 60. Mm-hmm. So that was a sort of a a shock to me and a sort of a reset that he was like me. He worked really hard all of his life. Right. And then at age 60, he passed away and never really had time to slow down.
0: And yeah. I enjoy the fruits of his labor and all his hard work. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So I, that made me rethink my life and what mm-hmm. I was doing. Um, and he and Rick and Scott were extremely close. Um, they were close in age, but also very close brothers. And they raised their children together. And and when, when Rick passed away, it really hit my brother Scott very hard. Mm-hmm. He went into a, a pretty dark, deep depression. Mm-hmm. And um, he tried medications and he tried psychotherapy. As you know, those aren't. All that effective and mm-hmm. depression just continued to spiral downward and i'm not really sure how he found out about ketamine but he did and um he started doing ketamine therapy and it changed his life much as plant medicine did mm-hmm. and got him out of his depression and he called me up one day and he said bro you've got to check this out you know this mm-hmm. is this is life-changing and um so I did. So I started researching ketamine. And, you know, we, you and I used it a little bit as an anesthetic, you know, mm-hmm. the um, med spa practice. Mm-hmm. And there was a few times where people had some really profound um, experiences just using right. it as an anesthetic, you know. So I was like, well, this yeah,
0: is- I, it's we would have sometimes people you know getting up a certain type of laser that requires some anesthetic pain control and you know depending on who the person was and what the situation was we would administer ketamine for that and and you know then you you would see them saying like oh my god i you know I, i i felt god or i i had this incredible spiritual experience while they were getting the the laser so it was like I always loved that and I, that was my f- sort of first introduction too was just seeing like we're just using it as, as an anesthetic but I'm seeing some people have these very profound experiences
1: yeah so I um I started doing some research and I thought you know this is this is a way you know I've been for the last 28 years been helping people with their physical health And this is a way for me to sort of pivot and shift and start helping people with their emotional and spiritual health. Because, you know, as I know, that that has a tremendous impact on your physical health as well. Yes. Um, So I went down to Florida and um, to uh, to the Ketamine Research Institute there with Dr. Jerry Glass. He was the head of anesthesia at Yale Medical School for many years. And he developed a lot of the protocols for the treatment of ketamine. depression um, with ketamine mm-hmm. and took um, a course down there to learn um, how to do it the right way and um, and learn about, you know, how ketamine works and, and all that.
0: So when you went and did this training, obviously you're learning about ketamine, using it as a medication, different than the traditional sense, which is in the setting of an anesthesia, right? So um, can you talk a little bit about you know, the difference between obviously using it as an anesthetic is is one thing. It's sedation, it's pain control. Um, but w- how is the therapeutic process of using ketamine um, for the treatment of, say, depression and anxiety? Like, can you tell me about how that's different from, from how it's been traditionally used?
1: Yeah. So ketamine's been around since the late 1960s. Uh, it was developed as an anesthetic and very rapidly adopted by Um, the U S armed forces was used in Vietnam extensively um, because it's, it's a super safe anesthetic. It's almost impossible to give somebody too much. (laughs) You don't have to monitor their airway, you know, so it can be given actually on the battlefield or in a mass unit. Um, And, you know, you can operate on people, you know, while they're under the you know heavy. Those are much much higher doses than we use, obviously. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was it was super safe and could be used in the field, and so it was it was you know used as a battlefield anesthetic. And then as the Vietnam War closed, um, veter- veterinarians got a hold of that and said, "Wow, this is so safe and it's very effective." And so um, you know, because they don't like to intubate. Um, their patients right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> because um, it's dangerous for, uh, for, the, for the animals. But so so it was widely adopted as a veterinarian anesthetic as well. And then the ER uh, folks got a hold of it and said, hey, we can, you know, basically anesthetize kids that are coming in with fractures that we need to, you know, set and, uh, you know, so it can be used in the emergency room for acute procedures that require, you know, pretty heavy anesthesia. So that's sort of where ketamine lived for many years, um mm-hmm. in space. And then back in the 80s, um this there was some experiments about, I can't remember what it was, but they were they were basically blocking serotonin in mice and for, for some other purpose. And all these mice started getting depressed. know uh, how they know if the mouse is depressed, I don't know. I
0: know, I feel so <laughs> bad for these poor mice. They're just like
1: but, but they said, wow, well, what if we did the opposite and gave, people, and gave these mice serotonin, would we cure depression? And they found, and, and mice said, yes, they, the mice got better when you gave them their serotonin back. And so that started started this um, depression theory of serotonin, and that's what started Prozac and Paxil and mm-hmm. and all of these drugs that, mm-hmm. that were developed to boost serotonin. Um, and back in the day, you know, there wasn't a whole lot to treat depression that wasn't full of side effects are dangerous. And so the FDA gave them a very low standard uh, and barely above placebo is, is the only effectiveness that they required and that it was safe. And so um, they readily approved all these drugs. And since we found that they're, you know, they can be helpful, but they're not, they're not the answer to curing depression. and Well,
0: I would love just for a moment for you to touch on that, just being a family medicine provider for all these years that I'm sure you've had countless patients that come in and have, you know, um, depression or feelings of anxiety. And, you know, the the standard of care, as you know, typically has been, you know, a a script for an SSRI or, you know, um, perhaps some, you know, cognitive behavioral therapy worked in with that. But what you know, I've seen as a nurse and I'd love for you to expand on as a physician is that like what we have seen too, is that one, those medications come with their own slew of Mm -hmm. um, additional side effects. And then also like, how effective are they really? Um, And then my whole thing has always been, you know, you are a different kind of doctor, Dan. So I separate you from this when I say this, but in my experience, it's like, I feel like so many physicians are not talking about well what's your diet like what's your sleep like what's your stress level like what's your exercise like how much sunlight are you getting all those things it's like a very much easier to just here's your prescription take this come back in 4 months and get a refill and so much goes untreated and unheard um, and then again just like the the side effects that come and and there is a time and a place 100% where those medications are necessary and life-saving and helpful and I'm certainly not Anti that in any way. I just have always felt that there's such a gap um, in terms of where depression is being treated with medications, and there's a lot that's slipping through the cracks.
1: That's so true. Um, and there, there, you know, there's sort of a, a band aid, or you know, they they help raise serotonin levels, which helps um, improve the symptoms of depression, but it's not really getting to the root of why that patient is depressed. And um, right. You know, and so, yeah, they're lifelong. Many times, lifelong medications. Um, and you're right; they have a lot of side effects. Um, they're they're reasonably safe, but but they're not um, side effect free. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's so hard because when you're in a high when you're in a practice where you only get <laughs> ten minutes for the patient, and they've got high blood pressure and diabetes and cholesterol, and oh yeah, they're de- oh, they're also depressed. It's it's so hard for doctors to have the time to spend yeah. patients. And then patients, you know, you can, like, like I've known for the last 10 years, you can talk to them till you're blue in the face, but unless they enact those changes, um, you know, it's very hard to, but, but the, as far as the SSRIs are concerned, you're, you know, you're absolutely right. They do help. Um, and, um, but over time they become less effective and then you're switching medications. I mean, I, I have some patients that, that were you know, seen by psychiatrists that were on four and five different meds for their for their depression they just keep adding something else on to try and help and um you know it's it's not a very you know effective method of of getting at what's causing the depression and, and actually curing that or treating that
0: Well, I love how you said getting to the root because I think too, just like in my personal life and my spiritual practices, and even me talking openly on here about my plant medicine journeys, it's like, it's about getting to the root. It's always about getting to the root, you know? Mm. And what I love about what ketamine has the potential to do, and I I would love for you to talk about that too, is like how ketamine is treating these conditions, depression, anxiety, uh, addiction, emotional distress, chronic pain, whatever it may be. But like, how is it different? Like, how is ketamine? Tell me, I want to hear, you know.
1: Yeah. So, well, when, when all this research on serotonin was going on, the, the people said, well, ketamine raises serotonin levels too, maybe we can use it for depression. And that's when the studies started happening using ketamine to treat de- depression. But, and that's true. It does raise, um, you know, ter- neurotransmitters, uh, dopamine, norepinephrine, and, and serotonin, which all help us, you know, feel better and help lighten the symptoms of depression, anxiety, PTSD, or whatnot. But it also acts on 23 other different sites in the brain, and we, and to be honest, we don't know all of the effects that ketamine has. But one of the main things that differentiates it from, um, you know, just being a serotonin drug is that um, it works on. Uh, an area of the brain called the prefrontal cortex, um, which is, um, it's a a very important part of our brain that's responsible for complex thinking and decision-making and emotional um, responses. And it's sort of what makes us human. (laughs) Um, And when we have these times of trauma or depression or anxiety, so there are pathways neural pathways actual connections in the brain between the prefrontal cortex and the amygdala which is sort of our um, our survival brain our fight or flight brain um, part of our brain and so what it's meant to do is to keep us aware of um, triggers that might put us in the same situation that we were in before and so evolutionarily it's designed to sort of you know help help us
0: survival yeah
1: survival but when you're out of that traumatic situation, when you come back from Iraq and you're living back in this world, you know, those, those connections are not helpful. And in the fact, they're, they're very deleterious. They, they can, you know, things can trigger you to, to become anxious or um, scared or, mm-hmm. um, you know, so. I remember
0: too, I like, learning um, when, I went through the program that I've talked about on the podcast before um, when Billy first went into treatment for his alcoholism. And I was learning about the effects on the prefrontal cortex from addiction and long-term, you know, alcohol abuse or drug abuse. And, and in that sense, like I remember learning about the prefrontal cortex and understanding that like in the case of addiction, for example, like that part of the brain is like damaged. It's almost brain damage, you know, from, from the extent of, of abuse from the from the addiction. So it's interesting to me how that part of the brain, you know, from not just like, like you were talking about, you know, battlefield or being at the war or whatever, you know, that type of trauma, but like, different kinds of trauma to how that area of the brain responds.
1: Yeah. So what ketamine does is it comes in and sort of, it's like a dry erase board, and it erases those, those neural pathways um, that are no longer serving us and it induces something called neuroplasticity, which is where the brain can actually start to form different connections, um, healthier connections. And um, so we we know a lot, but the plant medicines also do this, Um, ayahuasca, psilocybin, um, those those, um, medicines also work in a similar way where they wipe out the old pathways and establish new ones. Something that's unique about ketamine um, is that it stimulates the production of brain drive neurotrophic factor. And BDNF is um, how our brain creates new brain cells. And so you're actually growing new neurons in the brain. They've seen this happen with ketamine therapy. Um, and well demonstrated. So it's, they're also looking into it to treat other neurodegenerative disorders like Parkinson's and MS and even Alzheimer's. Um, There's some research um, going on now because it actually grows new, not only establishes new neural pathways, but also grows new neurons in the brain, which is just fascinating. And It's
0: so fascinating. I'd love for you to expand a little bit on the neural pathways because I just think it's fascinating. You know, like what's the purpose of them and then how ketamine really kind of rewires and gives a new opportunity for... Those pathways.
1: Yeah, so they're 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 responsible for you know complex thinking. Um, they're they're responsible for as we mentioned those ones between the prefrontal cortex and the amygdala for, you know, so for sort of survival response. Um, one of the cool things that ketamine does as well is it lowers the default mode network. And the default mm-hmm. mode network is sort of like septations on a hard drive. You know, that keep different parts of the brain from um, constantly communicating with each other. Because it's not, you know, it's it's not a good way to live. But but when you're on the ketamine, this default mode network is um, is disengaged, and different parts of your brain start to communicate with each other that aren't normally in communication. And so you can you can tap into your subconscious, you can you know tap into the creative part of your brain, um, mm-hmm. and and so it, it allows us to look at things in a different light. Um, so so many people feel stuck in, in their lives, and and, and it can these repeated um, patterns um, of thought. And um, and this lowering of the default mode network allows the brain to communicate in a different way and reestablish new um, new connections.
0: I think that's so fascinating. Do you think that like the ego lives in the default mode network, or that? there's like a part of the ego brain that operates from that place. Because when you talk about sort of shutting off, like the role of the default mode network, to me, I and from my experience, which we can get into also, but it's like, I felt very much like the the shutting off for a minute of my ego, and I felt physically during my own um, sessions, that my body and the consciousness of my body the intelligence of my body biochemically and then um and then the ketamine we're, we're having a conversation we're working together and and i my ego was like out of it and <laughs> quiet and in another room with the door shut for a
1: minute <laughs> yeah sometimes we need to lock him up for a minute
0: yeah sometimes <laughs> it's like need to go in the basement that, you know mine for sure
1: <laughs> but yeah i think that's exactly what's happening uh, and ketamine is a dissociative anesthetic, so it does dissociate us from our from our, our body, um, which yes. is great when you're using it as an anesthetic, but also um, to really uh, to explore your consciousness and your soul without, you know, without the, the monkey mind getting in the way.
0: Without the monkey mind. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and I would love I feel like this is a good point for us quickly and then i want to talk you know really get into like what a ketamine journey is like um but but you were talking about the disassociation and and i feel like this is a perfect time to segue on to like let's just real quickly knock out and dispel some stupid ketamine myths. okay (laughs) because you know um when we talk about the disassociative it's it's hilarious as i've been sort of talking you know um in my personal life with some people about, you know, the experience I had and, and doing the, the series that I did. Um, it so cracks me up because some people are like, okay, is that like what I did in college and went into a K-hole? Is it like the same <laughs> thing? So that's like the one question I get all the time. And then the other one is like, isn't that a horse tranquilizer?
1: <laughs> yeah. no,
0: no, true. But I'm going to let you answer those.
1: I, when, when I'm telling people all that, you know, I'm getting out of primary care and going into doing ketamine medicine, they're like, you're doing know what? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so there is a lot. There's a lot of people that are have an understanding and knowing now, and it's becoming more understood and, and more in the public domain. But yeah, so many people, their only knowledge of it is that's a you know it's used by veterinarians, and yes, they do use it as an anesthetic for horses. But um, but that's a totally different um, you know we a way of using this medicine, and then rec- I can I cannot imagine using ketamine recreational i mean i had a, i had one infusion when i was in training just so we could know what it felt like and i cannot imagine being at a club or anywhere besides yeah. you know a controlled environment and having you know becoming dissociated from <laughs> i mean just so yeah there's no there's no wonder that you know people ha- have had may have had you know strange experiences <laughs> when they're taking yeah. it recreationally but um the way in particular way we're going to do it um, at Coastal Ketamine, is we're going to do it in a very controlled, safe environment. Um, we're going to hold space for the person. We're going to be there with them um, as they're as they're in their journey. And we're using um, Dr. Glass has taught me a precision model of finding the right dose. Most of the ketamine clinics across the country will take your weight and they'll give you a milligram per kilogram, 0.5 milligram per kilogram dose. And that's it, and um, it's it's you're gonna miss the mark a lot when you do it that way. So we mm-hmm. we have a way of calculating a, a therapeutic range of ketamine in your body that's going to allow um, these neurochemical changes to happen. Um, and and yeah, so and
0: ex- our model is intravenous. Uh, delivery of the ketamine. So can you touch on, just like, you know, mention, there's some other clinics that that do it in some different ways, but can you talk a little bit about what infusion protocol coastal ketamine is going to be using and why?
1: Um, yeah. So we'll be using a, um, a precision ketamine model where we do six infusions. Um, so they're intravenous infusions. Um, they last about an hour. Um, uh, and then about a half an hour after that, the patient is, you know, fully back in their body and, you know, um, can, can walk out of the clinic. And we try and get the six infusions within a three-week span. So either on Monday, Wednesday, Friday for two weeks or Tuesday, Thursday for three weeks. But you really want to kind of stack the treatments um, and, and get all the treatments in within, a, within two to three weeks. Um, the, the, the reasoning behind that is, that's where that's what the studies showed. The most efficacious um, route of, of getting ketamine was these infusions—done six infusions done over three weeks—that gave us the best possible opportunity to have remission of depression, anxiety, PTSD, alcoholism, um, and long-lasting effects. Um, so everybody will feel better. Um, in the short term with even a single infusion of ketamine. Um, but to have long-lasting, sustainable results and to really nourish those new neural pathways um, and establish them, you need um, six infusions. And then some people might need one every six months. Some people might need one every couple of years. Some people might, you mm-hmm. know, so it's variable depending on what's going on with the patient and also how how are they do- taking care of those other other things in their life how is their nutrition how is their you know are they working on their um you know their fitness and and exercise and getting in nature and meditating and are they working with a therapist to help you know develop those new neural pathways that are going to lead them to to um having a life free from depression um yeah as far as other ways of treating or using ketamine there's most people have heard of Mind Bloom or Field Trip or some of these mm-hmm. um, companies that are doing um, at home ketamine treatments, um, and that's either using a sublingual tablet or nasal spray. And um, while I know that they're doing a world of good for a lot of people, I mean, that's how my brother uh, received his, um, I, I think that there's um, real value to. Doing it first of all, the IV is much is is more effective, um, mm-hmm. and and just giving someone that <laughs> an dissociative anesthetic at home and you know where the set and setting could be anything, right? You know, there's there's a lot of um, a lot of potential for mishaps and things to go wrong.
0: Um, oh my gosh, there's so much potential, and and as with any type of you know, psychedelic um, or medicine journey or experience set and setting is everything. And I feel like that is such a big emphasis at Coastal Ketamine, um, that you are not just going to be put in a room and the doctor's off seeing another patient and there's a nurse at the nurse's station monitoring multiple. I mean, it's like the 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 dynamic is very much one-on-one, the doctor. you. Um, they're by the patient's side, the duration of their journey. It's a beautiful environment, just aesthetically pleasing, comfortable, safe, warm, secure, um, supported. And all that is so important to go through these experiences and have these sessions. it's 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 50% of it being productive and beneficial, in my opinion. Um, and then I also just think like you get the opportunity, you to have these infusions complete the protocol you have these brand new neural pathways it's like a fresh start you know and then you can really like put into practice whether it is some therapy you know seeing a a therapist and and working through some of the things that came up for you um, developing new habits and lifestyle changes but you know what a great opportunity to get to kind of start fresh with the way that you are thinking and the patterns in your brain and I know I said to you when I was going through my my protocol that I felt I think I said this after my last session was that I you know, the body keeps the score, right? We know that it's one of my favorite books, but it's also the truth and the body keeps the score of whether it's trauma or stress or every experience you've ever had good and bad. And I felt like after my sixth ketamine infusion that there was like a scoreboard, you know, that had been cleared out and it was back to zero. Wow, um, wow what a gift, <laughs> right? What a gift. And then how motivated I can be now to really, like, make some changes or be more diligent about certain practices because I have these fresh, new, healthy neural pathways that are open.
1: Yeah, when pe- when patients are suffering with depression, debilitating depression and anxiety, and then as a doctor, you're saying, oh, you need to go out and exercise. <laughs> you know? yeah good luck, you know, I can barely get my shoes on, let alone, you know, go outside and have to interact with people or whatever. So, you know, by, by, um, resetting the neurologic system and, uh, and giving these patients a fresh start, then that, then they can, you know, they're able to do these things and they see light in life in a different way and Mm -hmm. they're able to make these changes as well. And that's when it becomes long lasting, you know, and permanent change in their
0: life. That's so amazing. I, I definitely wanna talk a little bit about, you know, what a ketamine journey is like. So, I mean, I think that's what a lot of people are gonna wanna know. Okay, so I get it, it's an IV. I get it, I'm gonna come in there and the doctor's gonna be, but like, what can someone expect when they come in?
1: Yeah, so many people are are afraid of it. Um, mm-hmm. and um, And they shouldn't be. It, the The drug is is so super safe. Um, there's really very few, um, you know, contraindications. Uncontrolled hypertension because it can raise your blood pressure a little bit. But other than that, there's really no nobody that can't get um, ketamine safely. So, um, and the way we do it intravenously, um, it, it slowly starts to rise, the levels of ketamine slowly start to rise in the, in the bloodstream. And we can see this. We know when the patient's at a certain um, ketamine level because they start to feel relaxed and um, and sort of floaty. You um, mm-hmm. can still communicate and talk um, during this time. Um, and it's often sometimes helpful to, to talk to people about where they're at um, during that time because they're very open and relaxed. Um, mm-hmm. and then as the ketamine level starts to increase even more, um, the patient may feel a little tipsy or, you know, almost like, let use alcohol as a term, but you know, like they've had a few cocktails
0: mm-hmm.
1: and then as it rises even further and they get into the dissociative state, that's when, um, you know, sort of the outside world goes away and they, they go inside themselves, um, mm-hmm. stop feeling, you know, they stop feeling their body or whatever. So... It, when that happens, we try to try to take a backseat and just let the patient have their journey. Because if you talk to them or you're, there's other noises or distractions, it can pull them out of that a little bit. Um, so, uh, so about for the last you know 20 minutes of the journey, uh, the patient is um, is experiencing. Um, it's it's not a super visual drug, so you're not going to see crazy hallucinations. Um, you know, um, like you might with um, with other with LSD or other. Um, drugs in this class, but um, but people may see beautiful colors. Um, they they they'll feel um, you know like they may have a mystical experience. They may feel like they're in the presence of God, or they may feel like mm-hmm. um, they may see they may be in the presence of their loved ones that have crossed over. Mm-hmm. Or um, but but in general, it's it's a very beautiful experience um and not
0: well i can say from my my experience that every session of the six that i did was very much mystical um very much beautiful but also thankful uh, thankfully because the setting was what it was i felt safe i knew you were there my vitals were being monitored i understood what the process was going to be so i felt safe to to kind of just let go and and let it be what it was but it, it very much was like you were saying in, you know, you go in, you go so deep inside yourself. And I remember my first session, I think this happened to me on two different um, sessions. I think maybe it was the first and the second, but where I said out loud to you um, during my infusion that I, it was like, I felt the sensation that I had come to this place that was so familiar that I had forgotten about. And I was saying out loud, like, oh my God, I remember, it here like i love it here this is my home and i think i was saying repeatedly to you like this is my home oh my gosh like don't let me forget about this place and then it wasn't until after that we were talking it through and it was like that was my that was my soul that's my true self that's my that's my soul and i had this experience of returning to this beautiful home of myself um oh my gosh how more mystical does it get Mm -hmm. you know um it was incredible and i think the the disassociation aspect also for me was helpful because for me it gave me perspective you know like i i felt that i was able and and a couple times i even had the experience during during my journeys where um like at one point i felt like i was an owl you know looking down on the earth and looking down on my life. And, and then another time I felt like I was kind of just this, like an astronaut almost just floating out in outer space. And there was this disconnection for a while from like, I guess it would be that default mode network that I live in all the time. You know, I was able to, to have an advantage and a perspective change and look at, um, look at myself from a different view. And that can only come with that level of like disassociation. I think that the ketamine provides.
1: Yeah, that's so true. And, and you know, so, so we try and tell the patients, you know, when this is happening, at first it, it might seem a little uncomfortable, like, you know, cause you're not used to that, right? And so, mm-hmm. um, but if you, you know, relax, is this sort of like being in a, in a, a river, you know, that's, that's raging. You know, if you're, if you're trying to grab onto something and, and fight it the whole, the whole time, you know, it's going to be a struggle. But if you let go and you just, you know, flow with it, then um, it's it's much easier. So, and most people will learn to do that. We try and do the first infusion at sort of a lighter dose, um, yeah. still therapeutic, but just to kind of get the patient used to it. And, and so they're not super anxious about, it. and then most of the time they're like, you know, crank the dose up.
0: (laughs) Well, I think too, just having my own previous psychedelic experiences, that was advantageous because um, I'm accustomed, I guess you could say, from the ayahuasca journeys I've done or whatever that I was like, I I know how to sort of like lock and load into letting go and trusting the experience. But I certainly agree that, you know, um, making sure that they start with a lighter dose, and you know something where they're comfortable, so that it's not it's not um, fearful at any time. And I will say, in my own experience, there was never any point that I ever felt fearful. I felt very safe. I felt very comfortable, and um and each each journey and each experience was was very beautiful. What I what I think was cool for me was like during the experience, you're not necessarily. Okay, so just speaking separately for like an ayahuasca journey, for example, like in in that setting, I may be understanding in the moment, um, this is a problem that you have, or this is a situation in your life that's causing you stress. And like this, you know, there's there's kind of instant downloads about what needs to change or what needs to be adjusted. With ketamine, I just I had the experience, I was just deeply immersed in the feeling and the way my body felt and sort of like that, uh, the whole process of that. And then through the integration, I've had some understanding and I'm, I'm connecting the dots about some things. Um, so it's, it's kind of cool how it's like, it, can, it comes after. And I guess that's also by virtue of these new, new neural pathways being formed too. Um, and I know with my journeys, I felt, and I would tell you when it was happening, like that I would have imagery of things, like it was almost like I could see the neural pathways in my brain being formed while I was going through the infusion. And I think at one point I told you, I I could see like a boat gliding on the water, you know, and it was like, this is this beautiful tracks or the wake that the boat was making in the water. And I felt like I was visualizing in real time, almost these new tracks in my brain being laid. That's
1: amazing. Yeah. And you're I've had other patients, you know, have similar experiences as well. And it's something so what you said about you know, having these um, these these knowings that come afterwards is very common, and it's also um, why it's so there's a window after your ketamine infusion where therapy is very effective, and that's the first 24 mm-hmm. hours after the infusion. Many people think that you have to have the the you know therapy session while you're on the ketamine. No, that's not that's not how it works What you know what works
0: i feel like that would be way too much i can't even imagine trying to have a you know no
1: there's a way of doing it where you keep the level of ketamine low and you know in that relaxed state where, but you're really not getting the benefits of the neurochemistry that happen when you get to the higher and dissociative states um so to me i think it's much better to do the have the ketamine therapy session and then do the therapy psychotherapy afterwards
0: yes i kind of think it's almost like you know when you go to the hospital and you have a knee replacement or something and then you do you know a little bit of pt before you get discharged and go home it's like take advantage of you know really how primed you are um and just uh you know add things in there that can help support the changes that you want to make you know you get this huge um leg up on 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 you know relief of your symptoms and and immediate changes in term in regards to that and then it's like you really want to solidify and and make long lasting those changes and i think i agree that that's where you know um having a few sessions of therapy is is hugely helpful
1: and in in these new roots you know it's like like anything like when you when you get a new plant you know they're they're tender and they need to be nurtured and taken care of and so it's super important um for our patients after their sessions and and for the first few weeks after they're completed to stay away from things that are triggering cuz cuz old pathways are you know, there's still there's still ruts in the road, and they can be reestablished if you let them. And so, you know, if you get into your old patterns, you get around people that trigger you, whatever it is. Um, you know, you you can reestablish the bad the old patterns too. So it's really important for people to surround themselves with, um, you know, with self care and with people that. That they feel comfortable and good around, that make them feel good, um, doing things that they enjoy. Um, you know, finding finding the joy in life and really focusing on that um, immediately afterwards to to really solidify those new roots that um, you know can become strong, can become your foundation. You know, for the rest of your life.
0: Yes, I love that. And just going back to that kind of visual of the scoreboard that I had. You know, what a blessing to be able to. You know make some changes to the like brain internally in the brain and then compiled with some lifestyle changes some new or adjusted lifestyle habits you know what an incredible gift to see long-lasting and profound change i i will just say i'm i'm so grateful and on that note we have to tell the people (laughs) our news here so dan do you want to share with the with the audience about coastal ketamine
1: Yeah, so we will be opening the doors to an incredible healing center um, called Coastal Ketamine. Um, It's gonna be located in West Ashley here in Charleston, South Carolina within Three Seeds Wellness Center, which is a beautiful um, setting already where we have um, Reiki providers and massage therapists and all kinds of healing going on that way. And then you and I are gonna be doing running ketamine infusions to help people with anxiety, depression, PTSD, OCD, alcoholism. Um, And yeah, as we've mentioned, we've created a, a beautiful space that does not look like a doctor's office at all.
0: (laughs) It is like the polar opposite of a doctor's office and it feels the polar opposite. It is the best, most beautiful, like little healing portal. I'm so in love with it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and so, yeah, I'm I'm so excited. I'm excited to have you on board, and we have a beautiful therapy dog named Bo. who's yep. the, <laughs> my golden retriever who's um, been certified as a therapy dog, and uh, he'll be here as well, helping us create this beautiful space. And um, you know, so many people that I've talked to uh, about who have gotten ketamine, you know, their one complaint was it was you know, sort of cold and sterile, and you know, yep, uh, which. You know, you still get the obviously you still get the neurochemical benefits of the ketamine. Um, but when you do it in a set and setting that's, um, designed to nurture healing, um, you know, it's, it's a game changer.
0: It's an absolute game changer. And, and that's what I love about this whole model of coastal ketamine is, is the set and setting aspect and also just the love and the devotion and the passion to this type of healing modality and this type of treatment that both you and i especially you because i'm riding your coattails on this one dr dan like there's no question but i mean i just pinch myself and even just recording this podcast today i'm like who would have known but it is a perfect example of how life and the universe works and put us in the path of each other and then that this has taken some time to cultivate and it's now like here and April 3rd you guys is the grand opening and it's really happening and I'm just in awe and so much gratitude and so still kind of pinching myself that i get to do this you know that we get to do this and how amazing it's going to be and how many people we're going to help and also just like what a joy to get to do this every day and going back to that concept of dharma and the soul's purpose like how lucky i am to get to be doing this type of work especially alongside you but just knowing how it all came to be in such a beautiful and divine way. I'm I'm just so excited and it's going to be incredible. And we open April 3rd. So I wanna take a moment on that too, to just say like, you can find us on Instagram, Coastal Ketamine, our website is underway, but there'll be details coming on that. We are already available and booking appointments for that first week of April. So if you have questions, comments, concerns, throw them at me, I'm here to answer. Um, but we're going to be open and ready to go April 3rd. And I'm so excited, Dan. I just can't believe it's really happening.
1: (laughs) This is going to be, it's going to be amazing. And it's been difficult for me the last um, month shutting down my old practice. I I did find somebody really good to take, take over for me, but you know, there was a bit of sadness in that chapter ending, but, um, but also it, it, you know, it's paving the way for this beautiful new, um, journey that we're on together and that, you know, we're going to help so many people here in Charleston and yep. um, I've just been focusing on that and I just can't wait to get started. And it's, it's to see this transformation happening in people's lives and see people getting their lives back. And it's just, I mean, I I blow it away every time um, we finish it, uh, an infusion yep. um, that this beautiful medicine is here to, to help heal Um, our, our, our world is a crazy wild place right now. And there's so much, so many people suffering. And um, to be able to, to have something where we can give people their lives back, give people hope, um, give people joy and happiness in their life. It's, um, it's going to be amazing.
0: It's going to be, I mean, it's already amazing. It's already just the opportunity to be working in this type of medicine. And like I said, alongside you, and in this beautiful practice in Charleston, it's, it's an absolute dream. And I, I want to reiterate before we close too that, you know, I have always believed, you know, that I would find my soul's purpose, and that I would figure out, you know, what my destiny was about. And I never gave up on that. And, and I know you didn't either. And I know, like, when you talk about your brother's illnesses, and like the the challenges that you had in the practices you had before, and then my own nursing career and the ups and downs of that. And it's like, I don't think either of us ever gave up on believing, you know, that there was a bigger plan or a bigger picture. And like, you just have to follow your heart and you just have to follow that call of your soul. And I feel like one of the amazing things about coastal ketamine is it is an absolute manifestation of two people who followed that call and did not give up. And it's a place built with a lot of love. And it's just a real, it's a real honor to be a part of. So I can't wait for Charleston to come see us. We are going to have a grand opening date TBD, but we are open for business April 3rd. And again, I'm here to answer any questions. Dr. Ripley is too. Um, wh- where can people find you, Dr. Dan?
1: Um, I think mine's Dr. Dan, Dr. Dan Ripley with uh, underscore between Dr. and Dan. Um, that's mm-hmm. my Instagram account. Um, and I'm on Facebook, Daniel Ripley, um, our, our website's under construction, but it's going to be a beautiful website. Um, that will be charlestonketamine.com. It's not functional now, but it will be soon. And then I need to get my YouTube channel up and going too, cause we need to tell people
0: I know we're going to definitely be doing some YouTube videos. We're going to be sharing a lot of info about ketamine. Um, so Keep your eyes on the gram and on YouTube for that, because we'll have a lot of really good content up and coming um, there. So, on that note, is there anything else that the people need to know?
1: I don't think so. We're ready. We're ready to help if you're struggling, if you're suffering, if you feel that there's, you know, your situation is hopeless or helpless. It's not. I assure you. Um, And yeah, come, come see Tay. Come or call Tay or contact Tay. And if if you don't know if this is right for you you know, we'll, we'll be meeting with patients, um, you know, with, with a free consultation to see if this is, you know, something that's right for them or not. Cause it's not, you know, not necessarily right for every person. <laughs> so, yeah. um, yeah. So contact us and just let us know. And, um, we are here for you and we're going to, we're going to help you get your life back.
0: Yes. We absolutely are. Yay. Well, Dan, I'm so grateful that we did this. And I know that this is not going to be your last time on the podcast. We are going to have a lot more we're going to have to share. But this is just, I've been so excited about recording this one and like announcing this to the world and sharing with everybody what we're doing. I'm so grateful to be on this journey with you. And I can't wait. Coastal Ketamine, here we come.
1: Let's do it.